Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Podcast. I am your host, James Rowan. Tonight, once again, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Scott Munro. Scott, good evening. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. Today is my last day of being 31, as tomorrow it's my birthday. Oh, great news. I'm sure the listeners will be happy for you, and I'm sure they'll all wish you a very happy birthday. Thanks. I share it with um, a couple of players who are playing at the moment. One plays for Arsenal, one used to play for Juventus and... Um, AS Roma and Udinese. So that's Mustafi and uh, Mehdi Benashia. And Oh, very good. I share David I share Beckham's my wife. Who? David Beckham's wife. Oh, posh boys. Yeah. Indeed. I share my birthday with Francesco Totti. Ah, you're a September boy. Yeah, I'm a September boy. Literally. Literally. The balance is always, is always the, the scales are always tipping. But um, yeah, um, wishing wishing you a very happy birthday from my part tomorrow. Thank you very much. We are going to crack on by discussing the first legs of the Champions League, and I thought we'd start by a game that I missed because I was sitting in a plane on the way to England, and that was what happened here in Amsterdam with Ajax one Juventus one. Did you manage to catch this game? Um, to be honest, I didn't watch any hardly any football last week. I, I normally take breaks from watching football because it's been a long season and it, it gets a bit telling. So what I did, um, I uh, watched the BT Sports highlights, which are very, very good and they're very short to the point. And I managed to watch it all in, over the last couple of days. And once again, the story of this season's Champions League is Ajax. And if, if they yeah. can win tonight... That story will be never-ending, and a part of me wants them to win tonight because that squad is just absolutely outstanding, and they were really unlucky, um, but a bit fortunate as well because Juventus really should have had a penalty in it as it went to VAR and watching the replays on it. That looked very dodgy, and it, it did look a penalty to, to me in my eyes. I don't know what you thought about that, James. Well, I didn't see the game live because I was on the way to London for Arsenal and Napoli, but managed to catch the highlights. And um, yeah, it's really nicely poised ahead of tonight's game. Mm. I was fortunate enough to be on TalkSport 2 this afternoon discussing uh, the Ajax squad and, and where the dangers might lie for, for an upset in Turin. But um, yeah, I think uh, the away goal, as we've seen so, so many times before, can be decisive. And I've no doubt that in one of these four quarterfinals that it will end up being the, de- the, de- the decisive part and um, yeah I think Ajax were you know full of youth full of youthful exuberance you know not scared I thought it was a great header from Ronaldo yeah great cross as well yeah and um, I think as well you know this I, I think I said before you know before this tie kicked off for me the winner of this tie will go on to reach the final 
And um, I can understand um, there's an awful lot of excitement in Amsterdam today. There's people predicting extra time and penalties. There's people, uh, you know, being glued to the telly, uh, reserving the telly in their households. But, um, yeah, as I said when we spoke about this first leg, Scott, for me, Allegri is going to win this tie. And um, um, I think that that will come to the fore in in Turin tonight. And I, I think... I think his subs, I'm really intrigued. I know it might sound a bit off the cuff and even a little bit silly, but do you remember when they played, when they knocked out Tottenham? Last brought, year, yes. Yeah, and and brought, yeah, that sub changed the game. Those yes. subs changed the game. And I'm 99.9% certain that exactly the same thing will happen tonight at, you, at, at some point. But do you, um, do you think that player will be a player who's been hitting the headlines in Moise Kane? Possibly. Possibly, but there's, you know, it could also the, the goal could also come from an unlikely source. You know, the, you, you mustn't forget as well. This IX team came through the qualifying rounds. I was at yeah. the opening Champions League match back in the end of the summer uh, when they played at home to Sturm Graz, and in the first ten minutes they looked a little bit shaky. Actually, Sturm Graz had a few chances, and um, they've come an awful long way. But you might, you must also for not not forget Scott. But the priority is to win the Eredivisie for the first time in five years, which they and, could be on course too. Yeah, they scored more than a hundred goals. They beat yeah. Excelsior Rotterdam six two last Saturday. Jesus. And uh, Excelsior Rotterdam have a new manager, Ricardo Moniz, who used to manage uh, Salzburg, and had, was doing tremendous tremendous work with Trentin in Slovakia. So um, yeah, just uh, they really put them away, and you know. PSV only managed a 2-1 win over the first club. Yeah. So the goal difference is, is, is becoming telling now. It's like a sprinter sprinting <laughs> away from the pack, really. Is it um, 146 goals for the, the entirety of the season, yeah, which is scary at best? It is, it is scary. But also as well, there have been moments. I mean, I was at three particular Eredivisie games, the 8-0 win against the first club in yeah, December. Yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and the 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 space upon which the Club gave Ajax was just unbelievable. You wouldn't have really thought that that would happen at that level. And also, Fortuna Sittard were very unlucky because they had their moments in a in a 4-0 defeat to Ajax in Amsterdam at the beginning of March, and Ajax just went up a gear and, and scored a couple of goals. But they won't be scared, you know. They'll be galvanised by the lift. But but for me, this is all about what Allegri does. And uh, really intrigued, but I, I must. Um, I'll close the segment by saying what um, a Dutch colleague said to me today at work, when he said to me, you know, um, Juventus have to win, Ajax can win, you know. Mm. So we'll just have to wait and see what will happen. But um, yeah, interesting times ahead in Turin tonight. What's the? Because um, uh, I was following, I was watching a couple of Serie A games over the weekend, and I saw that Ajax played on Saturday, and then. Um, it Frankie de Jong went off injured with a precaution yeah. hamstring injury? Yeah, the latest is that he travelled with the squad for uh, Tuturin. He did travel and uh, there's it's unsure as to whether he'll play. Uh, media, is just, media is saying if he is fit, he will play. Good. But you just you, you just don't know. I mean, he's had, he's had a tremendous rise, you know, but people are forgetting that he came through the Willems Bay Youth Academy, not the IX Youth Academy. And that's been somewhat overlooked. It's the same with Virgil van Dijk. Virgil van Dijk came through the Willemsvee Youth Academy, which has always been a good, good youth academy, always. And, uh, I mean, they're on red-hot form, Willemsvee. They could even qualify for Europe. And they face Ajax in the cup final. They've, uh, after a very difficult start to the season, they're, they're, they're 
an unrecognisable turnaround. Wow! It's, After they sold their best player, France, oh, and uh, yeah, and they've gone. January. They were looking as if they were going to go down, and all of a sudden, they've just went into gear. I mean, I had my question marks over the manager, Adri Costa, but they have got all the way to the cup final. They're priced at eleven to one to beat Ajax in that cup final, and um, I think they'll give Ajax a good game and. It's funny because they ousted their previous manager, Erin van der Looy, because they were going nowhere fast. And they were uh, um, demanding being in contention for European football. And, um, you know, they, they made their changes and they're, you know, they're really on form. They've won, I think, five of their last six domestic games. And, uh, yeah, they could well be uh, in contention for European playoffs as well. Mm, interesting. Um, I will say this on on the game. Um, I was watching the highlights. I'm very impressed with David Neres and mm. his rise to Dutch football coming from São Paulo a couple of years ago. But he did um, dwell on the ball a couple of times and cost uh, Talia Fico a booking, which was a bad challenge. And coming to the end of the game, um, I know he's not playing tonight because he's in the stands. Douglas Costa gave the Ajax back line a, a bit of a run around and was quite unlucky not to score at the end when he hit when he hit the post from close range. Well, the thing with Nieles, you know, there was often there was talk that he might go to China um, at the back end of uh, January. Unfortunately, he stayed, and um, yeah, he's bags of pace. You know, he gives Ajax a, a completely different dimension when he's playing. You know, when you watch him play live as well, it's like. You know, it's, it's like elasticated feet. You know, he can control the ball from all different ranges. But he reminds me very much of Richarlison, who also almost signed for Ajax before signing for Watford. He was on the verge of signing for Ajax, and um, that deal collapsed right at the last minute. And uh, for me, David Nielis is very similar. And um, yeah, he'll be important tonight, I think, if they want to go through. But I, also, as well, I think Matthias de Ligt will play an important part as captain, you know, to. To be 19 years old and leading that group of players uh, to Turin, giving them a fight and chance to qualify for the last four, um, is something very impressive indeed. And could be playing against his future suitors. Yeah, no, I think that would be a tremendous move. I yeah. mean, the, the Dutch, um, the Dutch media are getting far too carried away with Barcelona and joining up with his mate De Jong. Yes, they are friends, but you don't go and work where you mate. Just because you work, just because your mate leaves work, doesn't mean you got to leave as well. No, you got to find the best club that yeah, suits to and, you. And uh, it's been it's been for quite some time that Bayern Munich and Juventus are front runners, and, and I can't I can't reiterate enough that he's not not just on the pitch but off it. When you hear him speak as a as a captain of nineteen, and the vocabulary he uses and what he actually says, you, you think, hang on a minute, that must be a pro with fifteen years experience under his belt, but he's nineteen years old. And he's just so assured. I mean, it's really refreshing. I mean, if he, if he picks the right club, he'll go on to become uh, the greatest Dutch defender of all time. There's no doubt about it. If he picks the right club and doesn't doesn't go for the money, doesn't go because he's far too good to sit on a bench. He's far too good to sit on a bench or play Champions League dead rubbers or that kind of thing, you know. So, I advocate Bayern Munich or Juventus for him. And if he wants to stay in red and white, he can come. To, he can come to North London if he wants to. <laughs> you never know. You never know. But Arsenal fans have been pushing me for that as to whether it'd be possible. And I've been told on Twitter that I'm a complete lunatic. But all I've stated is that he would give Arsenal the time of day. I haven't stated that he would sign for Arsenal. All I've stated is that he's 
mature enough to assess all his options before making the right one. And I'm convinced that the clubs that seriously come in for him, that he will do that. Mm. We are now going to move on to events at Anfield, where Liverpool won 2 0 and put themselves in a commanding position to qualify for the last four. Is this juggernaut going to stop sometime soon, or is this juggernaut going all the way to a Champions League final and a Premier oh. League win? Uh, I don't know. Well, it looks like they're on course for one of the two because that win over Chelsea over the weekend was quite uh, impressive, even though they had their moments. Um, they even had their moments in this game on last Tuesday, where if it wasn't for woeful finish from uh, Morega, who's been in really good form in this season's Champions League, he gave Roma the runaround in the previous leg. Um, if it wasn't for his woeful finishing, Ty could be easily poisoned. It could be at that two-two or maybe. 3-2 Liverpool but yeah they they killed sort of tried to do what they do over the last year a year and a half it's just killed a game off in the first half hour and they were turning up after 25 minutes um, wonderful ball for Milner for the first I think it was for the first goal and a great finish from Firmino for the second um, they seem to be playing with um, with the without fear and a bit of the handbrake on at the same time Um I was thinking Mo Salah was a bit lucky not to be sent off for that challenge on um, Danilo, which, yeah, um, if you don't have your rose-tinted glasses on, they'd probably say, nah, it's just a, just a, a little bit late, but he was yeah. over the top. And if that was the other way around, you could say that Liverpool fans would be baying for blood and would want Danilo to be sent off. Mm. Well, as I say, I think it's... Uh... I think they've been very impressive at home, Liverpool. I know I've stated that they've struggled away, but I think at home they've been very impressive. And um, for me, the pressure's on that club. I mean, for, for me, to be the self-confessed biggest club in the country that hasn't won anything for eight years, pressure's on. I mean, Arsenal had that. We didn't win anything for nine years, and we were lambasted and, and, and criticised and made fun of. And, and Liverpool haven't received half of that vitriol and criticism. But I think the pressure is on them because if they don't win either of these two competitions, what happens to them going forward? You know, it's something I'm really intrigued about. And I think as well with Klopp, you know, when he was during his unveiling, I remember him saying that by the time my contract's finished, I think I would have won at least one title. I don't think he was referring to the Premier League. I thought I think he's referring to just a cup. But uh, pressure's on. Yeah, I think there will be a trophy at Anfield this season. Just thinking which ones, which one will they go for more? Well, I uh, think they'll, I think they'll go for the one which a lot of Liverpool fans haven't even seen, and that is them the, uh, winning, winning the league title. Yeah, it's winning been the too Premier long. League. I mean, I mean, you you think I was watching clippets of uh, of match of the eighties the other day on YouTube, and I was in stitches because it's hosted by Danny Baker, <laughs> and uh, it was it was like it, he always gives like a five minute preview of the previous season. And he had me in stitches because one of the opening clippets was, uh, and I quote, it's another league title for Liverpool and it appears the only people working on Merseyside are actually footballers. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that was really funny. And um, But yeah, because they were so dominant in the 80s. And, um, you know, but I, I've, I saw a quote a couple of weeks ago come by that when Liverpool's last title win, if you just said to someone, you don't win, you don't win another title for 30 years, You'd have been carted off to a funny farm. Yeah. You'd have been carted off. You'd have been. You'd have been many, many straight in white jackets would have come to pick you up, and it just, it just goes to show how, how quickly things can change in football. But yeah, it's a juggernaut at the minute, and 
you just hope that they can win something because you know to to have Mane and Firmino and um, and obviously Van Dijk has made tremendous progress. You know, I remember watching him play for Groningen when he wasn't uh, he wasn't really putting up many trees, and there was a few question marks about him. And, and now look, he's gone for 84 million euros, and people are considering him to be the best defender in the world. He's he's up there. Um, he, he's up he's up there. I agree. I, I I don't think he is, but that's just my personal opinion. No, no we're all, we're all in, entitled to our own opinion. Absolutely, I, and that's that's the great thing about football. It's just yeah. an opinion. It's all it is. You know, some people take it as gospel and like to tell you on Twitter that you're this and you're that and that kind of thing. But uh, you got to laugh half the time. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna, now going to move on to uh, Barcelona winning at Old Trafford. And uh, Messi suffering a bloody nose. Yeah, Chris Smalling tried to pretty much end his night very quickly after his stupid quote a few days beforehand where I, I can't remember the quote itself. It was just, maybe it was just off the cuff that it was just, a re, maybe it was just a reality check because Messi um, is, has been wonderful this season and yes. still baffles me that how he was the fifth best player in the world last season and the hat-tricks he scored recently yeah, and assists got, as well and in, including the, the both the hat-tricks against the Seville-based clubs against, uh, yeah Seville, but Betis, particularly at Sevilla and I mean, that's, Sevilla, very, that's yeah. very impressive uh, as regards to Smalling's comment as someone who's interviewed many many professional footballers I will leave it with the comment of Fabian Johnson from Mönchengladbach where he told me that when you play against Messi when you think you've got him and you think you've got him and you've got a hold of him, he'll go and do something where you, you're made to look a little bit silly. So you might think that you've got him for a few seconds and that it's going all right and then he'll, he'll, he'll pull up a gear and before you know it, it will be an assist or a goal or something yeah. special to, uh, to really put his mark on the game. Um, I was listening to um, a couple of podcasts today. I was listening to Football Weekly and um, if Barcelona turn it on tonight, it could probably get really ugly for Man United because I watched the Lyon game in the last round and Barcelona were tuning up at half time. Lyon didn't really pull up any trees and then Lyon got back into the game and at 2-1 about 15 minutes ago Messi just went no I'm not having this and then just turned it on assisted two and scored one himself in in the last 15 minutes it was 5-1 and I just listened to Football Weekly and they were just going well is there going to be any point for Man United regaining any hope of travelling back to the new camp after what happened there in '99 in the past, and will who will who will be there? Oli Gunnar Solskjaer on the last minute. Who would it be there? Teddy Sheringham, and and so I just think this that was it's a bit different now. Um, you're playing against one of the best teams in the world who haven't. They've been a bit different this season this is not the Barcelona of three four years ago under Pep this is a more different side under Valverde and Valverde has been getting some horrible criticism on social yeah. media no I, 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 I champion what you just said because he has I mean in yeah. some cases in some on some cases I fully agree Scott because it appears whatever the man does it's not enough he can no. really travel it's not enough for some yeah I mean, it appears to me that because he's not a name they're not interested, but it's, it doesn't work like that. I mean, I remember being at Arsenal Olympiacos when Arsenal won 2-1, I think it was in 2011, and Arsenal were very lucky to win, and Valverde was... Um, he was the coach. He was the coach, and Holobus, 
uh, was playing for Olympiacos and he absolutely turned Bakary Sanya inside out the entire game. He made Sanya look like a child. And it was it was just a group game, but it was just a very impressive performance. David Fuster scored for uh, Olympiacos and Santos and uh, Oxford Chamberlain for Arsenal. Shows how long ago it was. But, um, that was a, a game that I went back for, one of my first games that I went back for from Amsterdam. And, um, yeah, very impressive Olympiacos side that was managed by Falfo Day Vence, so it just goes to show. And I just think, as you say, with a social media point of view, I just think we've reached a point now where people can at whoever they like and maybe they've, uh, they've had a bit to drink or they don't really care. But, you know, you have to take responsibility for what you say and what you write. And I think in some cases, some people are never happy. Never happy, are they? No, no. I follow a couple of Barcelona fans and they've got their heads screwed on and they're pretty... Yeah know what they're on about and they've been following the club for a long long time and you're never going to have it like they did between 2008 and 2012 under Pep and especially under when did they win the treble Uh, 2009 they also won the treble in 2015 I believe yeah yeah, under Luis Enrique as well Luis Enrique yeah, well, they're not. They're not going to have it. Well, they, they could potentially win the treble this season as well. Could, yeah, but I wonder. I wonder. Uh, that would be a fantastic feat for Barbado. But I yeah. wonder if that would be enough for some. And, and like you, you, like you make a great point in point, pointing out Pep's Barcelona. But a lot of people forget Pep lost his first competitive game as Barcelona manager away to Nemancia. Nemancia, and they drew, drew against Russ and Santander. Yeah, uh, Nemancia took them apart. I mean, yeah. are now a. I believe they're now a first division uh, team, but they they absolutely crippled Barca in that game, and I don't know if it's some with short memories, you know. I really, I, but obviously, you know, some people are just very much sensationalist in, sensationalist in that respect. Yeah, they just think that they see it with their eyes and not with other people's vision as well, and they just see it how they want to be seen. They yeah. just think they want Barcelona to be like they were under Pep, maybe under Luis Enrique back in 2015. But this is a different style. It's a more conservative. Yeah, more conservative. Yeah, you've got your front two of Messi and Suarez. Yeah. You've got your midfield of Sergio Roberto, Arturo Vidal, Busquets, uh, Artur Rakitic, who's Rakitic is an unbelievable player in that midfield. Yeah. Underrated so player. Artur, who's... who's come on leaps and bounds after his move from Grêmio and he was really highly tipped last season uh, in Brazil I listened to a couple of Brazilian football podcasts and um, I'd like South American football I'm, I'm a bit quirky so I like a bit of that but yeah I just listened to them uh, the guys on Canary and Blue talk about Arthur uh, like last year and how, how he's come on leaps and bounds this season. They're, they're a more conservative side. The big loss is Dembele because he is a talent and he needs to get his head in the right way because there's some stories of him staying up late playing video games and then being late for training, yeah. which is at that age, you're privileged. You've just you've had yeah. a season... For Ren, you've had a season, a couple, sorry, a couple of seasons for Ren, um, a year in Dortmund under yeah. Tuchel, and now you're playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world. Yeah, you need to get your head with in the right well, way. Well, I fully agree. I mean, Peter Boss, who's now manager of Bayer Leverkusen, when he was on the Dutch football show, he spoke about Dembele all of a sudden not turning up for training, 
and he's sit, he's standing there getting ready for training, waiting for his players to arrive, and he doesn't has not heard a dicky bird as to where Dembele is, and people automatically thinking, oh, you know, he's trying to he's trying to be, be a bit of a be a bit of a a bit strange and try to come with um, you know different criticisms. And Peter Boss said, no, I just wanted to check that he was all right, because yeah. when your player doesn't turn up for training, you think, oh, you, the first thought that goes through your head is, is he okay? Yeah, has there been an accident or has something? Has there been an accident or something? Yeah. And, you know, Boss was just explaining that. And, um, yeah, so it'll be very interesting in the um, in the second leg in the Camp Nou uh, tonight. What's your prediction for tonight in uh, the Camp Nou? I think Barcelona will be too strong for them. Um, if Barcelona score early and capitalise on what they brought from Old Trafford, I think it'll be a bit too much for Manchester United. Manchester United have got a horrible run-in in the next mm. few weeks. I think they play Chelsea, they play the Manchester derby next week. I saw Gary Neville and was talking to Jeremy Carragher on the Monday Night Club last night. He said it was suggested that um, Gary Neville suggested that Man United could rest players for Man City. <laughs> and I yeah, just that's thinking... funny. Yeah. It'd be interesting, <laughs> to, be interesting to see what they do, but I just think yeah. they'll be as uh, they'll be as professional as possible. Yeah, Bas- as Barcelona win. Yeah, they'll be as professional as possible. I actually think it's going to be a draw tonight in Barcelona. Ah, okay. And, and uh, your prediction for Juve Ajax? Uh, I really want Ajax to. St- I want this fairy tale to continue because Juventus have been playing with the handbrake on for a good month or two. Um, they're so ahead in Serie A, and they they lost uh, away at Spal. Um, but the team they put out was quite demoralising. Mm. They didn't they di- they didn't really put anyone out that would have probably started in the, the game at the week um, tonight. Um, Andre Barzali played and he's 37 and he's, uh, he came out after the game he said he's going to retire at the end of the season and he's hardly featured. He's 30, uh, said he's 37. He, he's, uh, he's been part of their now eight in a row. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I want this Ajax team just to... One more game, but deep down inside, I know Juventus will grind it out as they do and win 1-0. Well, I'm going for a 2-1 victory. And um, I think um, I think that, um, I just think Allegri, uh, you know, going back to the days of what he did at Cagliari and, yeah. uh, you know, and winning Serie A with Milan, he, he is built for knockout football. And I just think he knows as well, you know, there's rumblings about whether he's going to leave Juventus, what's going to happen. And I think he knows that this is his best shot of winning the Champions League with Juventus. And I don't think he's going to let it slip. And I'm, I know it sounds really strange, but as I said a, a few minutes ago, I will be watching his subs like a hawk. <laughs> because I think that's going to be decisive. We're, uh, before we close on the Champions League segment, we're going to touch on the uh, all Premier League tie, where Tottenham Hotspur won 1-0. And uh, just to prove that I am not a biased Arsenal fan, it was a very impressive result for Tottenham to win at home in their brand spanking new stadium. And uh, yeah, all eyes on the second leg in Manchester. Do you think that Manchester City will turn this around? I'm not too sure. Um, it depends on the starting eleven that Pep puts out because there was a couple players that I thought would have started. Was There was a bit of an omission. Um, but... I know Pep has got all his eyes on the league title and the FA Cup and the Champions League. He's already won two trophies this season uh, with Man City 
and uh, he's building something for that squad uh, with that squad sorry um, I'm just thinking what sort of system Potts will put out would he go back to the 3-4-3 with the fluid front three of like Sun Ericsson and maybe Lucas Moura uh, because with Harry Kane, he's a bit mobile. Um, you need some like the players to run on behind him. Um, but with with Son, Mora, and Ericsson, it's a bit more fluid, and you've got more a bit more flexibility in that front three. Um, I will say, um, Son is a fantastic player. He's one of my favourite players to watch in the Premier League, and he's been such a good good fit for Spurs in the last couple of seasons. Um, I think. I know I said this will probably go to penalties and I'm going to be changing my tune, but I think Spurs might win this. Win this interesting. Time. Also away from home, very interesting. Yeah. Indeed, I'm... I think um, my prediction is that um, I think Manchester City will win. And uh, But like you say, the, the away goal, um, I can possibly see Spurs scoring in Manchester. I, I can see that as well. Um, on the stadium, I'm really impressed with Spurs' new stadium. There's a certain ground in France that it looks like. Um, would you agree if you know what, what I'm talking about? A certain ground in France. Give us a clue on that one. Uh, they play in white. Uh, Rudy Garcia is their manager. Oh, Marseille. Yes. It- yeah, it looks yeah, it looks just their stadium looks a little bit like the Stade yeah. Velodrome, and it's yeah. it's quite it's a very nice stadium. Yeah, well, this this cost them an, an awful lot of money. I mean, I think they need Champions League football to keep up their repayments. Yes, yeah. So the pressure's on. I mean, Arsenal did their got the green light for their stadium in two thousand and one. You know, and I remember going to Arsenal Villa in the in the league and seeing the front of the program being like the. Uh, the stadium model and uh, Hillwood and um, uh, no Ken Fryer and um, yeah Hillwood and um, Wenger as the front pose, but um, yeah you know they've done well to to build a stadium anywhere, but particularly in London is a very impressive feat. And um, yeah, be interesting to see what happens with the second leg. We're now going to move on to uh, the Europa League, and I think if we start with the other ties, and then I can elaborate on what happened with Arsenal Napoli. Yeah, um, yeah. I have I haven't seen any of them, so do, should we just go on to Arsenal Napoli or yes, we, yeah, but no problem. I'll I'll start with that in a minute. I will just give a quick recap. Oh, okay, I'll just give a recap for the listeners. That is that uh, Chelsea Chelsea won in Prague. Uh, thanks to a, a goal in the, in the final minutes by Alonso against Slavia Prague. They won new up going into the second leg. Valencia won in Villarreal 3-1, putting them in the driver's seat. And uh, Benfica, thanks to Joao Felix, who's made it quite clear that he's been receiving a lot of female attention. Yeah, that's the, sto- that's the story uh, of the weekend. That's the story of the week, but obviously one of innocence. You know, if you're that age and uh, living in Lisbon, surrounded by beautiful Portuguese women, and uh, naturally, that's something which is going to be, uh, which is going to come to your mind. But, uh, yeah, his but, WhatsApp messages might be going through the roof with indeed, some pictorials. I think he's done very well to um, to uh, to make such an impression. I mean, I remember seeing Benfica play Ajax here in Amsterdam last October, and they looked a shadow of what you associate the team with. And um, yeah, they won four two. I don't think the tie is over. I th- no. still, I still think Frankfurt are going to do it. Primarily because they're at home, I think. I, I think that the last three, I think it'll be Chelsea, Frankfurt, Valencia, 
And we're now going to move on to Arsenal Napoli. Where I was at, <laughs> I was at the match and Arsenal won two nil, a very very impressive result. But the first thing that struck me was the starting lineup from Napoli. No, no Milik, and um, somewhat um, conservative midfield. I think I thought Calafon played well. Uh, Sielinski missed a tremendous chance to make it two-one, and they subbed off Didis Mertens. And uh, what dawned on me going into the stadium is how the Napoli supporters look. They all look a little bit, a little bit rogue and a little bit mean, and you wouldn't want to mess with them. And uh, they were in fine voice in the Emirates Stadium, and uh, they kind of fell away when Arsenal went 2-0 up. But a great performance, fantastic goal by Ramsey, and Koulibaly with a um, with an unfortunate ricochet for his own goal to make it 2-0. But this tie is by no means over, and um, I, you know Arsenal's away form, losing in Bordisov, losing in Brittany, losing in Cologne this time uh, last season in the Europa League. This tie is by no means over. I'm convinced that Arsenal need one away goal to kind of really put themselves in the driving seat. And this is a tremendous opportunity to go on to hopefully win our first European trophy in 25 years. And should we go out on Thursday, I will be absolutely furious. But um, we should just have to see. How do you see the second leg, Scott? I think Napoli will be trying to go all guns blazing. I watched their game on Sunday and... Um, they've been playing like a team in the last few weeks that have been trying to catch up with Nap- uh, with Juventus, but then just keep failing. Um, they beat Roma four one, and they've uh, they drew with Genoa, and oh, they and they beat Chievo, and yeah. they lost to Empoli. So yeah, that was the game because we recorded and as we were, as I was watching yeah. it on the other Wednesday. Yeah, That's, um, but yeah, they played well against Kiev, but they were just playing with a handbrake on that. In that game, Kiev got relegated, and thank God do, they did. Do Do Kiev have better defenders than Arsenal? Uh, no, that League Two defenders on what I watch on a weekly occurrence, watching Swindon are probably okay. better equipped to. Okay. Um, what uh, what Kiever had that is a, a bad squad and I think most area fans are happy that they're relegated but on Napoli um, they've been um, uh, they're playing with a bit in themselves because as I said they've been trying to catch Juventus and that juggernaut and they've been looking forward to this tie and it uh, sounds like they didn't pull up any trees at, at the Emirates but yeah. I, I, I think they want to right that wrong and they will try to go out of all guns blazing. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. I thought that Arsenal would have been 2-1 and to not concede the away goal is a, is a great feat. But uh, we've just got to push on from here. I mean, you, it's, no, it's no use beating Napoli and then getting knocked out in the semi-finals. You know, 25 mm. years is a long time. I've been um, I've been fortunate to be at every single home match in, in Europe this season, apart from Calabag last December. And speaking to Arsenal Fan TV afterwards, I made it quite clear that I want this cup because, you know, I know what it's like for Arsenal to win a European trophy and the next generation of Arsenal fans don't. And people are far too obsessed with Champions League this, Champions League that. I, as I stated on the previous pod, I could not give a monkey's what European competition Arsenal are in next year. I really couldn't care less whether we're playing Europe, Europa League or Champions League. It doesn't mean any. It doesn't mean anything to me. If we do, if we haven't won a European trophy before then, 
you know, so because some teams go into Europe for a very sh- in short, sharp bursts, and they make much more progression than what we do. Ajax have made more progression than Arsenal in Europe in recent years, mm. and they have, I think, one one sixth of the budget that Arsenal have. But a youth team, which is uh, which is really um, bearing fruit, and I, I just hope that Arsenal can uh, can eke it out. I, I think it's going to be a one-one draw, and um, I think I'm going to be presently surprised. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. And then a potential semi-final, maybe against Valencia. But uh, due to commitments here in the Netherlands, I will not be attending the semi-final. My Arsenal Napoli was my last Arsenal match of the season. And so I now have a break. And uh, I look forward to welcoming uh, uh, Leeds and Marcello Bielsa's uh, team at the Emirates next season. Because uh, not just saying it, because obviously Ross is a big fan of Leeds. But uh, as I said before, and I'll say even on a European podcast, they are the story of English football this season, in my book. doesn't matter who wins the league. doesn't matter who wins the Champions League. I think it's a, a tremendous feat that they've gone out to show ambition to get a truly world-class manager. And other teams, such as Ipswich, who have recently been relegated, Forest, who have been kind of umming and ahhing, Sheffield Wednesday to a certain extent, they could learn a lot from that approach because it's paid dividends for Leeds and uh, it's a fantastic story and uh, yeah, fingers crossed Arsenal Leeds next season as, as well. I think most Premier League fans would want um, Leeds back in the Premier League. Yeah, but, but also under that manager, you know, not just Leeds back, oh lovely, you know, it, it's, 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 a, it's a tremendous story and I, don't, I still don't think it's being talked about often enough. I think it, I think this people think it's just like token gesture, but it's 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 akin to I know it sounds silly, but it's akin to um, Nottingham Forest going out and getting Simeone. As crazy as that was, as that sounds, you know, it's and and that level of ambition for them to think we're going to go after him and we're going to get him, and for him to say yes, it really um, I think it's a tremendous story, and uh, you know, I backed him to win the league. At, uh, back in August at 12 to 1 so I'm hoping that comes in but um, yeah tremendous story and uh, yeah fingers crossed that they can get up and uh, maybe Arsenal leads next season who knows um, I will go back on to the Arsenal-Napoli game mm-hmm. I do think Arsenal will go through um, but I think it will be after extra time and... oh goodness yeah, I think I think it'd be I think this would be a really good game to watch on Thursday. Yeah. But um I was quite disappointed and the, the video's gone viral um of two incidents in from Euro yeah. League clashes. Um, yeah. Awful. The, Chel- the Chelsea fans singing songs about Salah in Prague yeah. and the Arsenal fan racially abusing Kaladu Kulabali on his Snapchat yeah. and that went viral. That was quite disgusting. It is disgusting. Do you know what it's even more disgusting? Is the first and foremost the racism is disgusting. But in 2019, you go to watch a football match and you decide to film yourself. Yeah, you're there it. to You're there to watch a football match. I attended the same football match coming all the way from the Netherlands. I am not going to sit there and film myself. This brings, brings me on to another point as well, Scott. How many people now go to football at top level and do not even watch the blooming game? Yeah. They're, I mean, I watched the video and he's just taking photos of himself I'm not being funny but who cares who cares do what you like I mean who cares if he's taking snapchats of himself I know we live in a very difficult world at this precise moment in time but those kind of things and also you know every club has their bad eggs but I think it's been years since Arsenal has been linked with a a racism case 
and it's rightly being investigated. And you think of the wonderful Arsenal players that we've brought through with the likes of uh, David Rowcastle, Michael Thomas, you know, coming through the youth system, uh, Ian Wright being brought by Crystal Palace, Viv Anderson, you know, playing for Arsenal, going on to become the first black Black player to ever play for England England, in 1978, you know. And then in 2019, the ignorance of a child filming himself on Snapchat and for my club to be tarnished with a brush, which is uh, which is p- disgusting, really. And you had the uh, the sad incident over the weekend. Oh, you've had a few last yeah. weekend in in the lower leagues of football uh, in the in England um, as well. And um, the the worst one is the the Nathan Byrne incident. He used to play for Swindon. He's at Wigan. Um, I th- Wigan won one nil. I think he scored a. I think he may have scored the winner, and he was just getting direct messages on social media stuff like that. In um, the Watford players, are oh, is it, what's his name? Is it Calabasi or uh, yeah, Calabasi? The centre yeah. half. He got some vile yeah. abuse as well. Frank Kessie and uh, Bakayoko. Frank Kessie got some disgusting abuse after the Acherby incident over the over the weekend on his Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, that that was very strange. Like kind of like parading the Lazio shirt as like a trophy, as if you're a predator who's just knocked out knocked out another lion or something. Yeah, a Cherby said some stupid comments the previous week. Said that uh, oh, like something like Milan and, and nothing, and we should be able to beat them. And they swapped shirts, and it, yeah, it, it all escalated. It was just stupid from both parties. But you can you can racially abuse people in the stands, and then nothing will be done. But if you parade a shirt of of, of the team you've just beaten, you have to apologise straight away. Yeah, it, it it is very strange, and I do wonder where it's all going to end. Because you know, this, lots of people in lots of schemes have worked very, very hard to kind of dumb down this and to educate, and then all of a sudden, it's just, it's just like a big wave which is coming again, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's over the last month or so, it's reared its reared its ugly head in more ways than one, and it's just. As we, as we both said, we're in 2019 and it still exactly. exists. And... Exactly. And you, but I, I wonder if it starts from young where children are, are repeating what their parents think. But as I say, the, in particular with the Arsenal case, because it's my own club, for my club to be tarnished with that now, but also the manner upon which it happened. You know, the manner upon which someone decides to film themselves going to a football match and put that online, who cares? Give your, give your opinion about the game by all means. Everybody does that now. But to film yourself... I mean, I was having a discussion with an Arsenal fan about you know social media and that kind of thing. And I said to him, and I'll say it to you as well, Scott, people that are prevalent on social media who are in inverted commas celebrities when they really are just football fans, do they really think that this kind of in inverted commas fame is going to last forever? Do they really think that that is going to last forever? Are they? I mean, maybe they're using it for different avenues and that kind of thing. I mean, I myself am in a privileged position to interview professional players and managers on a regular basis. You know, and I'm I'm fortunate enough to to, to be involved with with quite big names and be taken very seriously by many many clubs and and to be on um, very good terms with professional players and managers. But I am aware of my responsibilities. 
I'm not going to put half the things I discuss with them on Twitter because I respect their position and I respect my position and I'm trying to make a name for myself in an honest way and build up a reputation to be taken even more seriously mm. to one day work in football. And I just I just get the feeling now that that with the uh, the the clout that social media has that you know you put out one tweet and it's kind of like you've got people like it's like you know bowing down at the feet of these people when they are just football fans like us that is it and I just I just think now that it's we've we've reached the point now where some people think if they get a certain amount of followers or have their own YouTube channel that they are maybe something they are not but I look at it and think. From an outsider's point of view, do you do you really think that such adulation in inverted commas is going to last forever? Yeah, completely agree. And it's it's just it's it's just a horrible. We're still talking about it in 2019. It's yeah. just a, a horrible subject to to even delve delve uh, yeah. into. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 important to talk about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, like it's we easy. talked we talked about it the other week with the Moisey Keane situation. Yeah. And we talked about it on extra time in yeah. um, on in depth. And I was speaking to people at work about it. I was speaking to my mum and dad about it as well. Um, my dad used to watch games in the seventies and eighties, and I go to to watch Swindon games now. I was brought up uh, to what I've been brought up watching football with my dad, so I go with him. Even now, I'm thirty two. I go. Or oh, sorry, 30, 32 tomorrow. I, I go to football with him, and yeah. I've seen stuff happen where I was at a game about five or six years ago, where we we're at home to Scunthorpe, and some things were said, and my, me and my dad have both looked at the guy, and just he stopped himself saying things, and I've seen like I was at a game this season, uh, an away game at Notts County, and stuff was said not racially abused but of tommy robinson stuff where yeah. that's like that that was just disgusting and there's a few guys behind us and things were said mm. and they stopped it right away and it's just une- it makes yourself a bit uneasy when you're in the ground yeah but it's got it's got so little to do with football excuse me yeah it's got, and I don't mean to, I don't, I don't mean to sound churlish. It's obviously we, we are a football podcast, but we obviously, you know, we talk about different things. I believe that Tommy Robinson, that's not his real name. No, it's not. That's a, right. I think okay, it's a that's, pseudonym. That's, that's your start for ten. That is your start for ten. You've got people who look up to certain people, and in this case, you might have respect for someone, but in the very first instance, that is not even their real name. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable, just unbelievable. But then again, we are a European, we are a European football podcast, and above all, we both take responsibility for what we say, and we're going to leave it there tonight. Scott, um, I'd <laughs> well, like to wish you a happy birthday for tomorrow. Thank you very much. We'll draw a line on, on the previous last couple of minutes, and I completely agree. You don't need to bring football and politics and stuff like that together because it's an ugly mix and it's Indeed. not going to end well. Indeed. Um, so we will rec- we will recognise our responsibilities to our listeners, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they enjoy this podcast. Hopefully, <laughs> you enjoy it. Finally, we'd like to point you in the direction of the European of the Man in the Post podcast network, where we have something for everybody, including unusual efforts and Man in the Post extra time, where there's plenty of personalities there where 
you know, everyone's got a favourite and everyone's got something to say. So very, very interesting <laughs> indeed. Scott, would you like to tell the people how they can get in contact with you and wish you a happy birthday on Twitter? Yeah, uh, so it's at Scott underscore Munro. Um, I, as uh, most of you know, to talk about football, bit of cricket, bit of wrestling. I do interact um, when I can. <laughs> but um, yeah, just uh, just hit me up on that. Okay, and uh, listeners can contact me on at James Mo and L. And uh, if you enjoyed my um, my segment on Talksport two this, uh, this afternoon, you can let me know. And um, yeah, we would like to thank you for listening, and find like to remember and to remind everybody to always keep your man on the post. And we'll speak to you again soon. <laughs> <laughs>